Coming to you from the My Little Falls studio here in beautiful Little Falls, New York. It's your host, Scott Kinville, and another episode of Marty's Illegal Stick. Hey, what's up, hockey fans, and welcome to episode number 40 of Marty's Illegal Stick being recorded here on Wednesday, August 25th, 2021. The big 4-0. I can't believe we made 40 episodes. But you know what they say, the 40 is the new 30. So I feel young. Uh, We're just starting. What have you been saying, Gupper? 80 is the next 30? (laughs) (laughs) Whatever works, right? (laughs) Uh, So we got a great show lined up for you today. As a matter of fact, we have an in-studio guest. We don't normally get this, so this is a really exciting day for us. Uh, Before I bring our guest in, I'm going to bring in our panel, our esteemed panel, if you will. Uh, Of course, riding shotgun with me today is my father, Leo Gump Kinville. How you doing, Dad? Uh, Very good, except I'm going to go to the Arctic. You're going to do what? I'm going to go to the Arctic. (laughs) I've had this heat. I can't stand it. We played hockey on ice, not in puddles. That's right. (laughs) Well, maybe you can get yourself a pet polar polar bear or something like that. Yeah, there you go. I'll let your daughter do that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, to my left, as always, our producer, Dave the Save Warner. What's going on? Not much. Now, are you going to move to the Arctic with Gump? Not at all. I, uh, can, I can see you two sharing an igloo. No, I'm going to Watkins Glen and picking up the young chicks that he left behind. Well, <laughs> that's gonna, there's an awful wake behind him, so you better be careful. That's all I can tell you. Uh, oh, feel you <laughs> I do, Gump. I do. Oh, boy. And joining us uh, via satellite, if you will, um, as always, our friend, our co-host, the professor, Jeremy Roberts. What's going on, Jeremy? How are you doing, Scotty? Not too bad. How are you? Good. Good. Are I you going to move to the Arctic with Gump yes, too? Okay. Yes. Good man. I'm, I'm yep. over this. Over this heat. Yes. I just want to send a camera crew. I, I want to see this as a reality show. No wait. I thought that was supposed to be for Gump and I and Watkins Glen next year. <laughs> well, if he survives the Arctic. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I know. That's what. That's what it could be called. If you survive the Arctic. There oh, you go. There it is. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yep. We'd well, be worried about the little things up there, though. No, not at all. <laughs> no. Up but, in the Arctic, they're, they're a little bit. There, there's a reason we say things like that, Mark. <laughs> look at your monitor and look at the wall behind Jeremy. Yeah, I see right. that. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to uh, Dale Pierrington, he it kind of has stuck. So it's, uh, and he we, started breaking my chops on it. I just kind of let it go. We run it every time we... <laughs> He's on. But he's such a uh, good sport we'll about it. We'll have to talk about yeah, that. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. So anyways, as I said, we have an in-studio guest today. And this is, like I said, this is a really, really big treat because this normally doesn't happen for us. I got to be honest with you. Uh, most of our guests do the StreamYard route. So uh, I w- I'm just going to bring you right in. Uh, New Hartford native. You know him from playing for the Mohawk Valley Prowlers and also his store, Mohawk, or, I'm sorry, Mark Coteri's Hockey Supply. Mr. Mark Coteri, what's going on? How are you? Great to be here. Absolutely. Thanks for driving down here. We no, appreciate that. No problem. I, uh, when you sent me the text, I was, I was honored uh, to talk about uh, playing a long time ago. So It wasn't that long ago, though. Uh, it seems that. <laughs> I played a long time ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were still using chickenware when he played. So <laughs> Yeah, they were. <laughs> my, bo- my body is a, an everyday reminder that it was uh, <laughs> long ago, so... Um, but no, I'm happy to be here. Well, that's great. That's great. So, um, we'll just jump right into it. So the early days, like I said, you're, you're from New Hartford. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you played the youth hockey in New Hartford. Mm-hmm. So who were some of your early favorite players, early influences for your uh, hockey career? Well, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of neighbors started my, I had an older brother, uh, Kyle who played at Hamilton 
um, that one day came home when they were sending the flyers out and a bunch of the kids in the neighborhood were playing and, and he bugged my parents to, uh, to play. And, you know, the Coteries were, especially the Rome Coteries were known for racing. And, uh, my dad was a pretty good baseball player. My mom had some athletic achievements on her own as a figure skater, but hockey wasn't certainly on our family radar. Um, so I got in, involved. I started at a young age. My older brother, who's, who's a little over four years older than me, started probably about uh, seven or eight, and I started when I was three or four. Um, certainly a, a, a family to any New Hartford player that, other than your parents, obviously, um, g- growing up with four of us that played, um, the expense, oh, and obviously owning my own store now, and, 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 oh. and my friends and and. You know, Uncle Mark provides. I have one nephew, my older brother's uh, uh, son that's 16, who's a pretty good player in the Albany area. So Uncle Mark seems to supply the equipment naturally <laughs> for him. So seeing the expense of it is kind of a shock. But certainly for, for if you grew up in the 80s, um, obviously it was a given that your parents um, had to be uh, full in on it, both time-wise and, and financially. But... Um, the Masood family, they own the Masood's uh, uh, Christmas tree farm in mm-hmm. Roberts Road, was basically where I spent most of my youth. Um, they ha- the, the barn that they sell, they currently sell their Christmas trees out of, um, was always converted at the time when we grew up. Um, Omar, who uh, started the, fa- the Christmas tree farm, was just planting. So the barn... Soon as it was cold enough for natural ice, there was ice up in there. It still still um, does that, Mark. And we, and, yeah, <laughs> still, still happens. And, and and now John, his son, who is yeah. a few years older than me, puts it down right after the holidays. So, as far as an influence who had a, a major impact other than family, I would say that their family was huge. I mean, if there was a snow day, there were twenty to thirty kids running up the up to the barn in the morning getting dropped off and me being the the the, one of the younger ones always had to wait for the older kids to get done before they would allow me (laughs) coming on the ice so guys like bill gall and and john masood my older brother kyle um those were guys that certainly as a young kid i looked up because they were they Mm -hmm. were three or four levels ahead of me um and so that was a great experience i mean um, certainly, uh, uh, Carson Cunningham, who ran the rink at New Hartford um, since its inception when it opened in 1980, what, was also very generous with um, if we were home on a break, finding odd times of ice. But um, I, I got to say, I, I think my parents had signed off. I used to pretty much in the winter take the bus up to Masoud's to do homework, go out, have dinner with them, go skate, get picked up go to practice in New Hartford, go back to the barn and uh, and, shade, and skate and shoot pucks. I don't know. That's really cool. I, how Thousands of hours that I spent up there. And I think um, in that area, there were a lot of us who went on to play college and mm-hmm. in, the, in the minors. Billy was the first guy drafted um, out of New Hartford in 1985 by the Flyers. That was a direct result of... of Certainly parents with some good athletic genes, but getting the extra time, which is really what is needed um, up at Masood's barn. So that, uh, that fellow you just mentioned, he was the first one that was drafted in the NHL from New Hartford? From New Hartford, Wow, yeah. because I know we played against New Hartford a lot 
in uh, uh, in the sixties. Yeah. And there was a lot of good hockey players back then. Matt Bone and Bobby yep. Wanamaker. There yep. was a bunch of them. Yep. They were all, yep. all good. Bobby Wanamaker. I mean, obviously, you know, it, it's cer- <clears throat> certainly someone's always the pioneer, right? Mm-hmm. So the Wanamakers, um, Bob Bullock, Carson, the Rollers, Matt Bone, the Batson brothers. Um, certainly they were the trailblazers of playing hockey in New Hartford. Um, and then when the rink was built in 1980, everything. So I started, my older brother and I started playing at Clinton Arena and Hamilton College. As soon as the rec center was built, New Hartford kind of went to another level. Sure. Um, yeah. I remember, because I, 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 was, I was, not that I'm a, a big guy today, but I, I was really small. I grew late. Um, even, even in college, I grew another couple inches to almost six foot. Um, and probably my first three years put about 30 pounds on in college. Um, but I played with uh, Russ Cahill and John Massoud. They were 10 as a six-year-old. Um, and we really didn't have a, a, a proficient might team um, it, for me to play on. I was, I had, was playing long enough where I was a little bit more proficient than the kids that were my age, mm-hmm. but certainly wasn't, you know, I, I didn't play much right. a, a, as on the team as a six-year-old. So you were kind of in the in-between stage. I was, I was, I was in-between, but that certainly um, launched and, and gave me the confidence sort of my hockey career. Those four years were pretty uh, informative in, in, in how I developed from, from six to ten. But um, – yeah, I mean, it, it was, and then my generation, I was the first in New Hartford to go to prep school. I left after my sophomore year. I played in New Hartford. Um, as far as I know, Scott Osmail and I, were, as eighth graders, were the first to ever try out for a varsity team as an eighth grader for hockey. Oh, wow. And and um, and, and, and made it and play, played in some games. So I played eighth, ninth, and tenth, and then went away to prep school. So as um, as luck would have it, you ended up playing on the Prowlers with Scott too, didn't you? Yeah, I um, that was my second year pro. I was uh, uh, was invited after my first year in Richmond. I was on a two way contract with Carolina, who was uh, in Richmond. It was the we were the East Coast Double A affiliate mm-hmm. of the Hurricanes, um, and had signed a one year deal with them, and then was offered a tryout in the in the American League with uh, San Jose's American League team, which was in Kentucky, which was a really cool spot for training camp. They, sure. We, we played in Rump Arena where the the basketball, the Wildcats play, and um, it was a great time. I was probably there till uh, about two months before I got, before the NHL guys kind of shuffled and got trickled down. And, right. You know, I mean, it, at that point, I certainly, I think I played in five or six ex- exhibition games that year, um, which would have been... 98, um, was second in the team in scoring in the exhibition. Huh. But um, basically at that level, they, 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 they take the market at your contract. And right. certainly there were a bunch of NHL guys, uh, Mark Smith, uh, John Nabokov, who mm-hmm. ended up having a great career as a goalie. Sure did. Was, our, was, was a rookie that year. Um, Alex Korluk, who had a three or 400 game in the NHL. Um, so... You know, you get shuffled down. So yes, I from there, I was the, I was uh, my agent called and said you can go back to Richmond, which was the natural progression, or lo and behold, you you can renegotiate your minor league contract and go to your hometown. 
Um, So I don't know if it was a good, bad, or indifferent decision. It was certainly something that I thought was a unique opportunity at the time. Sure. Um, I hadn't really been home in a long time. I mean, I left for prep school in 89. So certainly I was home in the summer, but to kind of be home and live during the hockey season, that was the Mm. first opportunity I had in in almost 10 years. And uh, Scott was still uh, was on the team. And then uh, I think maybe two or three weeks later, he ended up getting traded and then and then going the Central League. But it was it was certainly a, a great experience, you know, yeah. playing with a kid I, I grew up next to. Oh, and absolutely. It, and it was his older brother, Todd, that got my older brother um, the equipment and got right, going. Right. So it was kind of a full circle, so to speak. With the Small fans. world. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, I, I have to tell you that that Kentucky team had one of the coolest team names ever for hockey. It was the, the Kentucky Thoroughblades. Yep. Yep. It's so cool. I can't. Yeah. That's right? different. It yeah. is. That's yeah. awesome. And That's it, different. And it, it, it was, there's certainly a, a lot of guys such as myself that would have played mm-hmm. a lot in the American League at the, at the time. And that's what happened when my first year pro in Richmond. The year before, there were, I think, four or five guys that won NHL Cups with Carolina. Steve Halko, Mike Krasinski, um, Manny Legacy was in Richmond. And, okay. s- and so when, when I went to New Haven's camp in 97, 98, it was a split. Florida had 10 spots, and New- sort of like Utica did during right. COVID with St. Louis. Yep. And a lot of the teams were like that. Um, so now every NHL team has an AHL team, has an East Coast team. There's certainly more room um, for those kind of guys that were in between. Sure. Um, so, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, was, it was fun. I was there from... Uh, early September, and I got sent down around Halloween when, okay. I, came, when I came there down that year. So um, there were times I thought I was going to stick and times that it was just like, well, I'd rather be playing than, right. well, of course. than being a healthy scratch. <laughs> Absolutely. So. so much more fun playing than sitting in the press box. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Being a healthy scratch. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you uh, you mentioned prep school, and, and I wanted to ask you about that because, and I was curious as to when you went. So you said after your sophomore year in high school, mm-hmm. and it was a prep school called Loomis Chafee. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm saying that correct. Yeah, you are. Um, which was uh, Windsor, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. So how did that come about? And I guess what I want to know is why why the decision to go there mm-hmm. instead of finishing out your high school career in New Hartford? Well, the whole prep school game was probably. Um, on our radar as a family in around 85, 86, um, going to different hockey camps. My, my, uh, a guy by the name of Dave Beecher at a school called Berkshire um, was recruiting my older brother. So as I mentioned, Bill Gall graduated in New Hartford in 86, PG'd at New Hampton. My brother graduated in 87, PG'd at Hotchkiss, which was um, one of the top New England prep schools. They ended up losing to Thayer Academy that had Tony Amani and Jeremy Roenick on the team um, in in the New England tournament. And then the next family was John Massoud, who graduated in 88, who was a senior when Scott Usmail and I played as eighth graders, went to Northwood. So there were some people from New Hartford, um, uh, you know, three of those guys that were the top scorers in in their classes. So we knew, uh, uh, you know, about what it was about. I knew at the time that it was the best high school hockey in the country. Um, they still sent a ton of D1 guys um, to the pros and to college, but 
the junior ranks, and that, that we can talk about that a little bit later. But when when I was coming up in the late '80s, it was certainly well known where you had to be, mm-hmm. um, and and I think locally and and in New Hartford specifically speaking, there was kind of a lull sort of in talent. Um, there were a few of us that certainly had the ability if we kept progressing to go on to the next level. But there was probably from 88 when, when uh, Masood graduated to when my brother, younger brother, Sean's team won the state championship in 97. There were, there, there were definitely right. in that 10 years some really good players. But as the but team. But the overall level. It, was, start, team, it, it yeah. was starting to de- decline. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's, it, it, it was like um, I, I was playing in a. Um, in a summer tournament called Hockey Night in Boston that oh, that's cool. at the time was, was big. It was held at the Garden. Mm-hmm. You had to go and try out. They had kids all over the country. And it was – I was selected to uh, the New York State Select 15 camp at Fredonia as a 15, so that was the top, like, 75 players of your age that they would mm-hmm. send out to the camp. So going to those things, and I went to the uh, national camp in Colorado for the Select 16s for the – the national team, that's when kind of the recruiting process started. And um, so we started looking at a bunch of the New England schools. And I knew for me at the time that staying back and going for three years, both athletically and, and academically, were going to help me out in the long sure. run. Um, it was certainly uh, a different decision. You know, my, my buddies were used to going to the big New Hartford Whitesboro football games on right. a Friday night. And, <laughs> right. you know, I, I, I was missing out. But um, – I knew if, if, if that's kind of the avenue to play college hockey that I wanted to do. Absolutely. Um, that's where I had to go. Absolutely. Now, you know, my question is, is do you, uh, would you recommend prep school or would you so, stay in so today, public school? Yeah, that, um, it, it's, listen, for, for any young guy or young gal that goes to a prep school and if they feel they're ready for it, Forget the athletic um, piece of it. Um, the experience I had was was second to none. Um, certainly, there is much or more than the college. I I almost fainted when I looked at Loomis is sixty thousand a year to board. Um, I think I think I asked my dad when I when I went it was thirty five in nineteen ninety, and my brother was playing at Hamilton at the time, which wasn't a cheap school, but they 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 do give you. Aid. I mean, right. a bunch of the hockey players were paying almost next to nothing, right? Because of of our athletic sure. background. A bunch right. of the football right. players, Loomis Chafee at the time, we were very good in hockey, but it was really known as a lacrosse school. Um, our hockey coach was the lacrosse coach, and they had six or seven high school all Americans every year come through that um, school. So today, it, it, going to a prep school, you're, you, you're going to get a great experience. Um, if you're looking in, to do it for athletics, well, that's uh, that's a different monster. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it it's hard to have an honest conversation with most parents today because there's so much. It's completely different animal playing youth hockey than when I did. Like the junior comments are playing <laughs> all over New England <laughs> and all over Canada. Uh, yes, and um, <laughs> it's. I'm not even into like the the. The older level yet, yeah. I mean, we're all over. It's and it's a great experience for the kid. The kids, it's second to none. But you know, I I would 
I would take a, a, a temperature or measure and check of, of if you're doing it for an athletic reason, where, where the kid realistically is. Right. And, um, you know, today it's, it's a different ball game. I mean, my mother did not want to hear anything about the junior route when I was coming up. I mean, she even kind of put her nose up at Northwood because we heard the horror stories, which were untrue, um, of it's just a hockey factory and you don't go to school and right. you won't huh. graduate. And lo and behold, my younger brother, Sean, PG'd. <laughs> and uh, I think today is still the, the all-time leading scorer there. He broke uh, Tony Granato's record when he was Ooh, there wow. as, as a senior. So it's all what you hear. I mean, I would certainly recommend it. If I had, I don't have any kids. My nephew is on the border of being sort of mm-hmm. a college player possibly. Um, D3, D1 level, you know, I would recommend, and I've talked it with him, maybe a couple of years of prep school and a couple of years of junior hockey is, is what sure what what I would do. You know, some people don't realize just how many the, how big the prep school hockey is in the New yeah. England area, oh, especially. Yeah. It's, it's huge. 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 And and when, huge. And when I played, I mean, my off of my senior year, we had seven or eight guys that played in the NHL, AHL, or East Coast off wow. one high school team. Wow. Um, three, two kids. Uh, we had a defenseman who I helped recruit uh, that came in as a sophomore from Chicago, a kid by the name of Bubba Barronswag, who was drafted by Nashville, won a championship in 97 with Michigan, um, was a monster. He was recruited. I played football um, at Loomis as well. He came in as a tight end. Um, I remember as a sophomore, uh, Lou Holtz, um, Fulmer from Tennessee coming. He was recruited by probably a dozen D1 football schools as well, um, wow. showing up to the game. So, yeah, I mean, certainly I think we were ranked third in the nation my senior year. Our goalie, Scott Fankhauser, ended up going to Lowell. He was a junior. He played for uh, Atlanta and Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. played uh, in the IHL mostly in Orlando. Um, Bubba played. 150 games with Nashville and, and played in Milwaukee with Mowers in the IHL. Um, another uh, defenseman uh, played at Providence and played in uh, Rochester, Mike Mater. So we had, we had a bunch of us that were, were there. So the experience was amazing. That's really cool. And uh, I guess you were actually, I think you still are, the leading scorer for Lewis yeah. Chafee, right? Yeah, I, 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 uh, I'm, I'm transitioning, as you know, different careers. But the last three years, I was a, a sales director with a dental company. Um, ironically, we were doing work comp injuries. So the NHL was a client that I had brought on. So I was covering the New England states and stopped in. And and uh, they have a young coach who played at UMass who's really the prep school. The, the, the team's kind of ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. The hot team's now Salisbury. You know, we would beat them by eight, nine goals, you know. Um, Loomis is ab- ebbed and flowed. Avon, Old Farms, they're still pretty consistent where, where Brian Leach had played. Um, I think Jonathan Quick went there too, didn't he? Yeah, yep, and, and, and Quick, he went there. And so now Loomis has got a, a young guy that's really amped up in, in the recruiting. And I stopped in um, la- uh, a year and a half ago. They were playing at Deerfield Academy. And I just went down and introduced myself. And... I knew when I left that I was the all-time lean scorer because they put a plaque up in the locker room, and I hadn't been there in years. Wow. Um, and he was like, Mark Terry, are you the Mark Terry that played at Kent and St. Cloud? And I was 
via Oswego. I said, yeah. He goes, oh, my God. And he brought me right in and said, this is the guy who's, if anyone wants to know how many points you need to get. Uh, <laughs> Talk about putting it right on the spot, you know? you know? So he's like, this is this guy still has a single. I, I think 85 points as a senior, and I think I had somewhere around 184, oh, 85 wow. points in, in three years in the prep school ranks. So, wow. um, yeah, it what, was. What, what were you, a winger or center or? Well, I, all three. I, I, yeah, I, all three. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I kind of, in, in, in the pros and in college, I, I um, played mostly winger. Growing up, I, I was a centerman. Um, my sophomore year in prep school, I, I played with uh, uh, two PGs. One went to Miami, Ohio. One went to Boston College, and I played wing there. So I I would say probably most of the time I played the off wing in, in prep school. Um, but it was a great, great experience. I mean, um, I chose that school because, for me, a lot of them um, are out in the middle. Hotchkiss, where my brother went, is in a little town in Lakeville, Connecticut, um, and there's nothing there other than the school. Mm-hmm. And Loomis, as you had mentioned, outside of Windsor, was was 10 minutes outside of Hartford. Our coach at the time, the Whalers, were still there. Oh, wow. So oh. it was, it, it, to me, it was a, a little bit easier transition. Um, I don't... I didn't dress really any different mm-hmm. from New Hartford to Loomis, where I know some of them were shirt and tie and sports coat. Uh, it, it, it just felt like a bigger school. Right. Um, we had about uh, 850 kids, grades 9 through 12, with about 500 boarders. So it was a nice mix of, of day students and, and boarders. So, um, Almost yeah. like a mini college setup. Yeah, it was a it was a mini it, it was a mini college setup, and and at the time I could tell the coach was really pushing. He brought about six or seven of us in my sophomore year. A friend of mine who went uh, who was our captain our senior year went on to play at Miami Ohio. He was my roommate my first year, and he was uh, another Chicago guy. So they were really kind of amping up the program. Another neat thing that um, our school did at the time is we would go to Europe and play against semi pro teams. Um, wow. for, for two weeks at Christmas. So we went my sophomore year, we went my senior year, we went to uh, Germany. Went the, my uh, my uh, sophomore year, we went to Italy and Switzerland and Austria. And then my senior year, we went to Germany and France. That's awesome. And, what what uh, an experience that must have been. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and we were playing against guys that were 25 to sure. 35. Right. And um, we'd go over there and play like seven games and ski and uh, just kind of sightsee. So it was an amazing experience. And a great Christmas present. And, and a great Christmas <laughs> present. Yeah. Yes, sir. But, you know, all that, that hard work and all, all the scoring you did there really paid off because it, you end up going to uh, Kent State University, which mm-hmm. is uh, CCHA, I believe. CCHA at the time, at right? the time. yeah. Yep, it's uh, Division One, And that's, um, so how, was, how did the recruiting process go for that? Well, um, I can say this now being 47. I, I it won't sound humble, but I should have probably have gotten more looks, to be honest, mm-hmm. based on what I produced. Um, not what I thought, but based on what I produced, what other guys. Um, I love my coach. I, 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 uh, he was an amazing man. Climbed Mount Everest a few times. Um, had the foresight to bring his hockey team every other year. Coach lacrosse was in the lacrosse National Hall of Fame. He was an amazing guy. The one thing I felt as an adult looking back at it, um, that he certainly as an individual made us a lot better, 
I, I was a full-throttle offensive guy. That was what I did best. Mm-hmm. He certainly made me a better two-way player. So when I went to college, I certainly was more well-rounded. What I thought he could have done better is promote the individual within the team environment. We were all there. You know, not every player was there to play hockey. I, I, I know a lot of the third or fourth line guys who, are, who would be very good high school players here, but were there for lacrosse or other reasons. So there were a few of us that thought, you know, Grim was his nickname, that Grim could have pushed the certain individuals that were specifically there for hockey a little bit more. Um, so my recruiting was kind of all over the map. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a bunch of the D3 schools that were chasing after me, Plattsburgh, Oswego State, Fredonia. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was funny. I, as I got older and my younger brother came through, I talked with some of the D3. I'm like, why didn't you ever recruit me? They were like, to be honest with you, we didn't think you would ever come. You would ever come, right? We right. we just we knew the points you're doing. We knew you had twice as many as Tommy Nolan, who it was offered a full ride after his junior year out of Avon, the UNH. You know, like sure. we just assume figured it'd be a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, it was a waste of time. Yeah. So it was kind of like I was caught in no man's land. Right. Um, I took a recruiting trip. I was offered a three for four at Providence. I was offered. Um, just under three years, about 60% at Northeastern, which um, was a school that I, I, I went on a recruiting trip and, and loved and loved the idea of playing in the bean pot. Yeah. Um, uh, my buddy who went to Miami, Ohio, he and I, he was playing on the Midwest team in hockey night. We both took visits to BU and BC uh, while we were out in Boston. But, you know, the coaches entertained us and brought us around, but I just didn't really feel like they were recruiting. I got the Kent. My senior year, I went with uh, my, my buddy Ryan who, went to my, who was locked in at Miami. Miami. He was a def- like a really good stay-at-home and defenseman. We went to Cancun. I came back, and Hockey Night in Boston has what they call the All-Scholastic Tournament in March. So they take the best players from their seasons and throw a tournament together. And that's where Dave Peters, who, um, who was at Kent State, couldn't believe me. I, I led the weekend in scoring, and I remember him asking me, me three times and looking at my dad, "Are you really not signed with anyone?" And I'm like, <laughs> you know. And in all, and in all fairness, um, I didn't play the summer tournament where, it, it, at a given point, there were 80, 90 percent of the NHL play, uh, NHL scouts there at every game. Wow. I mean, over the four years I played with. <clears throat> <clears throat> um, Keith DeChuck was probably the best player that I played. He played on the greater Boston team. There were each year there were NHL guys. Mike Dunham was our goalie from um, Binghamton who, who played with the Rangers. And I mean, our team had three or four guys, uh, a kid from Rome who ended up getting MS at, at Vermont. Corey Mechanic was drafted okay. by the Rangers. Um, so he, he wasn't able to go on and play after college. He was a great player. Our team had some NHL guys. I just never. I don't know what it was. I just never – I think playing in that tournament after playing a prep school year, I mean, there wasn't much summer hockey. So I just felt like the guys that really did well – like, for example, a guy like Sean Bates, had a great NHL career, five or 600 games. Mm-hmm. He was one – he had one summer that he was unbelievable, went to BU and made the best of it. 
that tournament in March, I think he was maybe 10th or 15th in the tournament in scoring. And um, <laughs> so it was like, you know, I don't know why it worked out that way, but um, I was on the, the following weekend after this All-Scholastic tournament in March, I was on a plane heading to Kent. And uh, they offered me a, a four-year full ride, and and it was a no-brainer. I signed before I left. Yeah, um, you can't beat that. No. And I'm yeah. sure your parents were happy about that too, right? They were ecstatic, and, 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 and it, it, it was a, it was a, you know, of of. I've had a lot of a lot of as you you know you heard with the Europe trips and playing on some of the our national teams. The biggest disappointing probably of even getting sent down and not making it quite to where I felt I maybe had the ability to play at um, at the professional level. Certainly, the biggest disappointment was Kent dropping the program. Um, after my freshman year. Yeah, that had to have been heartbreaking. Uh, it was, um, you know, it, you're lucky enough if you get a scholarship. Mm-hmm. And you're even that much luckier if you if that school you happen to go to is a school that you're in love with. And um, that's how I felt about it. Um, we, had, we had nine freshmen, um, my freshman class, eight of us played. Um, I ended up um, having an unbelievable um, freshman year. It just seemed everything I shot went in. Um, I finished with 19 goals, which I think was like fifth or sixth for freshmen in the country in, in goals. I was, wow. I was um, second uh, on our team, a junior, uh, Dean Sylvester, who played about 100 games with Buffalo and Atlanta and the NHL mm-hmm. and spent a lot of time in Kansas City when the IHL team was there. Um, had 22, so I was I was knocking on the door of being the 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 leading goal scorer as a freshman and and playing the <coughs> CCHA. Sure. Um, that year, um, so with, with when when Kent was there, there were 11 teams, so he played everyone three times. Um, Lake Superior that year beat BU nine to one in uh, in the finals in the NCAA's, and we lost to him in overtime, beat him in overtime, and then and tied. And uh, I had some pretty good games against Lake State. So it was hockey-wise, Dave, when I went on my recruiting trip, I met with the head coach, and he said, listen, if if you're everything Dave says, we're going to start you in one of the top two lines, and you're going to play in one of the power plays. And unless you play yourself out of it, that's what you're going to get. And um, I was lucky enough to get that opportunity, and he kept his word, and I went there. And my first game – uh, my college game is probably my most memorable. We were we were home against Western Michigan, and I ended up having two goals and an assist in, in my first college game. And, wow! Um, and you, know, you had to been thinking, boy, here we go. Huh? Yeah, yeah. And, and it, this it, this is simple. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> I was like, you know, I, I remember. Unfortunately, my folks weren't there. They, my sister was in prep school at the time, and it was their parents' weekend. So. Um, 1993, there were no cell phones. And sure, yeah, sure. I, I, I called the hotel where my parents were staying. I went to get something to eat with some of the guys after the game and and, and left a message for my parents to, to call the room. And, you know, I didn't even know, at the, you know how much I would play. I knew what line I was on in practice. But when yeah. the ebb and flow of the game, they may say, uh, you know, pull the Jim Beheim. You, you start it, and two minutes later, <laughs> right, you, right. Yeah. You're, you're down and shuffled down on the fourth line. And, All right, kid, here's the time that I promised you, <laughs> and now here's the reality, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, it was a great phone call. And um, that game and um, and um, when I went to St. Cloud playing at Minnesota was also 
um, something that I won't forget. Yeah, because that St. Cloud, that's that's always been a hockey power as yeah. well. And yeah. playing out in Minnesota, I mean, they're just hockey insane. <clears throat> yeah, out there, it's hockey yeah. state. It, oh. it, it, it 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 was, but um, you know, getting back to Kent, it certainly was a heartbreaker. They they ended up because of Title Nine, mm-hmm. um, um, proposing in April to drop men's hockey and 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 men's gymnastics, which <sighs> there were there were so many women's sports that we could have added, and um, yeah, it it was. School was canceled. I remember the vote. I mean, it was it was a huge deal. We had probably Pepsi was stepping up, and at the time was pledging fifteen million to build a new arena. Um, they had just wow. spent five hundred thousand um, dollars the year before. I I the the year before was their first year in the CCHA ninety two ninety three that mm-hmm. they got there. The school had just spent a half a million dollars um, um, for their fee into the CCHA and. Yeah, it, w- it was Damn. it was it was a heartbreak. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, I was in a, a good spot. We we had uh, I remember I'll tell you a quick little story. We we had a a, a kid named Michelle Larock, Bunny Larock, who ended up going to B- yeah. BU. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was a goalie. He was drafted, I think, third round by San Jose. He was um, he, so Kent was was a town of forty thousand, the school of about forty thousand, and. Um, people would find out it was a great party school. And the other caveat, <laughs> if you're a heterosexual male, there were six girls for every one guy. And so we we were able to get guys to come on recruiting trips, whether they were serious about coming or not. Just, Look at this stat. That's all you need to know. <laughs> we, we would show them a good time. So it, 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 was, um, it was up to my roommate and I to, to take Michelle out and um, show him a good time. And he was going from there. He was, uh, the coaches were, were going to bring him to Cleveland. He was going to fly up to the Sioux to uh, visit Lake Superior the next night. We had him call Jeff Jackson's office at about 2 in the morning, uh, drunk, saying he wasn't going on his trip, and he was signing with Kent State. Um, so, it, it, you know, I mean, globally talking, it, it was a shame. We had Hockey News, which was printing, I, don't, I think monthly at the time, mm-hmm. had ranked of the guys we had signed, including Michelle, the third best recruiting class in the country, coming in after, which would have been my sophomore year. And like I said, eight of us had played and played a lot and a couple of defensemen, sure. a bunch of fours and contributed. Um, so I, I think the, the program was, was up and coming. And, and, I mean, for me, because of the year I had, um, San Jose and Detroit, I used to get there was a, there was a, a guy by the name of Dan Duff who graduated the year before and needed credits to graduate. So my freshman year year he was kind of like our hockey equipment manager trainer type, um, and he was always in the coaches' lounge and he used to come up to me and say, "Mark, San San Jose and Detroit are calling about you, just about." two or three times a week. How's he doing in wow. practice, checking on? And and he says, you know, if you follow up next year with a year like this, and they had called my parents a few times, and I probably would have would have signed and and, Man. and, and and left. And, you know, the stars weren't in line, I guess. I mean, uh, and, yeah, and, man. And, and, you know, I mean, there are other players that have, have – you certainly have to have the talent but have benefited. I mean, it's a lot of luck, you know, when, when you're not – the Crosby, Yager, sure. when you're one of those borderline players, 
Um, a lot of right place, right times. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, unfortunately, it ended and, and, and I moved on to St. Cloud, which it just, it, it was a great atmosphere, unbelievable hockey school. Um, it just wasn't, uh, I certainly fit in with the players, but the coaching staff, the way my game was. Right. Um, it just, it, the, the first weekend we were up in Alaska, Anchorage, um, none of us played well. I think we ended up getting beat 6-1, 6-2. The ne- next night we won 6-2, 6-1. I had a goal and two assists, and those were the last three points they scored um, wow. at St. Cloud. Of course, it was probably like a 14-hour plane ride to get there, too, right? It was. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it was St. Cloud to Denver, to Denver to Seattle. Oof. We stayed in practice where the, the Thunderbirds played, mm-hmm. and then from there to Anchorage. Um, yeah, it was it was a different world wow. up there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, see, now you can find out about the igloos in the Arctic yeah, for oh, no yeah. period. Yeah. yeah. Now you got somebody who can it, tell it, you exactly if you, about it. If you like one or two hours of sunlight, you <laughs> yeah. know, in the winter. Stop, 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 stop off in Alaska first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So from uh, from St. Cloud, you, you did end up back at SUNY Oswego. Yeah. Yep. And your, your first year, you had one heck of a year. You were a SUNY AC Player of the Year. Yep. And so tell us how all that came about. Well, that was a, another kind of roundabout way how I how I got there and and chalked that up to being young and, and, and naive. So San Jose was probably the hottest team at the time professionally that was still talking to me. Um, I'd hurt my back at Denver um, when I was at St. Cloud. And just after that, after the second semester, we, we finished playing at Maine, University of Maine. Um, right before Christmas, and I went home, played two great games um, at Maine. And then my second semester, when I came back at Christmas, I just had a, a tough time breaking into the lineup. Um, my roommate at Kent and another defenseman were at Wisconsin. And um, Eric and I were completely different. He was a big, bulky winger, but I was seeing the success that he, he had. I mean, he played fourth line at Kent. Um, and I was prepared to sit out a year and go to Wisconsin. That was the plan. Okay. And that was really the only reason why I, I um, signed off on my scholarship. Okay. Um, yeah, because Coach Sauer was still at Wisconsin, yeah, right? Yeah, Jeff Sauer, Mike yep. Kemp, and uh, Tim Ford. And, and they weren't able to really talk to me on the record until I was released right. from St. Cloud. I went there um, right after the hockey season, stayed with my buddies, and kind of had an unofficial visit. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was, I had a lease sign with my, my roommate, Eric Gregor, um, a kid who was going to be a senior who ended up playing the NHL, Brian Rafalski, mm-hmm. um, and, um, and, um, a guy by the name of Kelly Fairchild. So I had my lease sign. I was signing up for classes. I was driving home from St. Cloud on my way to pick up Wisconsin equipment. When, uh, the day before I left, I got a call from Mike Kemp saying, that I had to sit out a year. Um, so the deal was my parents were going to pay out-of-state tuition for the year I had to sit out, and then I was going to be on full-ride scholarship the two years I was eligible to play. He said uh, they anticipated three or four guys signing with NHL teams, and at Christmas, three guys were flunking out, and they ended up getting their grades up. So uh. there was no room for me to practice. I couldn't be on the team um, because at the time, the WCHA had – 
a a maximum number of players allowed on the roster. Sure. Restriction. I was already 21, so I was too old to play in the USHL or any junior hockey. Right. And I was caught in no man's land. Again. And from there, it was a tailspin. Um, I did have one uh, Division One opportunity that, you know, why you do things at, at certain times. Bruce Crowder called my family and said, we'll, we'll give Mark a scholarship for the year he's got to sit out and the next two years at Lowell. Oh, wow. Um, I want him dropping off clothes and driving right to Boston, and I'll meet him there. And I had visited Lowell when I was at, in prep school, and it just – the rink was old. It, it just, it wasn't, Lowell isn't a great section of town. And I was like, you know what? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing this. Um, yeah, because you got to have your heart fully into it, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, I was, I was emotionally a little bit of a wreck with the Wisconsin thing. Sure. You know, because mm-hmm. I was, I was fully, in, I mean, I had a time to meet the equipment manager to pick up my red and white pants and gloves and everything. <laughs> and next thing you know, um, I have this guy from Lowell. Um, in hindsight, it's like, why didn't I do that? And um, I called the um, the scout who was was talking to me the most from from San Jose, and um, and he said, you know what, Mark? At this point, you're better off just playing next year. We're, I still think you can play at this level. Why don't you go to you know one of the top schools, you know, Plattsburgh, Fredonia, Oswego at the time? And so uh, that's. Yeah, Don Unger at the time didn't have to recruit me that much. I had a, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Guy Baird's brother, who was a, junior, a year behind me at Loomis, who transferred to Oswego from UMass, was playing there. I called him, and he's like, it's great. You know, it, 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 we got a great team. If you come, you know, and that's what I did. Wow. Um, so, it, yeah, it was kind of a – in hindsight, I probably would have stayed at St. Cloud but you don't know. I mean, I'd say, right? Right. It's, it's, it's always 2020. It's always 2020 yeah. and easy to play Monday yeah, uh, sure, quarterback. Right. Um, yep. You know, hockey-wise, I should have went to Lowell from there and probably would have finished out with uh, two great years um, there. But I didn't do that. And at that time, you know, you're thinking you want to get to the NHL, and you, you, that had to be weighing <laughs> on your mind. Well, geez, if I sit out a year, how much is it really going to affect me? Yeah. You know, that's – Yeah, I mean, it was it, – it, it, I, I just had an incredibly tough hockey year. I went from, as a freshman, going into a great situation, playing in an unbelievable conference with Michigan and Michigan State and Lake Superior State and, 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 and going to, uh, to St. Cloud and, you know, playing against Minnesota and Denver and North Dakota and those teams was unbelievable. And it was just, I was I, I went from a high to w- one of the low points in my mm-hmm. hockey career, and so at the time it was like you know what the heck with it. I just want to go, not sit out, and 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 play. Unfortunately, hockey wise, it, it probably wasn't the 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 best decision that or option that I that I could have taken at the time. But again, you know, you, you don't know at that particular time <laughs> yeah. either. You know that's yeah. And that, hindsight. Yeah, yeah. I, I you know I mean. I don't regret it. It is what it is. I, I, I went to Oswego, had, had two great years. Um, I went to San Jose's. They have an invite rookie camp that if you go back as a college, you can show your receipts that you pay, played. Unfortunately, if you notice why I played in five or six fewer games, was there was an NCAA pro that I had to go through that some of the schools were 
even though they knew what I did was legal, they were still kind of jerking me around. Right. I'm, I'm not going to name the school, but it was <laughs> it was a it was a powerful SUNY school that the coach was really upset that I went to Oswego instead of their school. Um, so they were the uh, instigator into this investigation. So wow. Um, so my senior That's... year ended up being a little tumultuous. Um, and, and and for what? It, you know, it, exactly. some of these chops over that. I mean, come on. It, it, exactly. All because you didn't get the athlete. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was, I mean, they, they depositioned my grandparents who paid for my flights oh. to Minnesota. Oh. Um, they called Chuck Grillo, who was the head scout at the time with San Jose. They talked with, uh, with players, Ted Drury and Mike Rathje and a bunch of guys. Uh, Doty Wood was there. Um, Mark Smith was a rookie at the time. Um, how long was I there? How many days? They were like, I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. Mark came in and came out. Yeah. You know, I was there the nine or ten days skating with them. And um, so, you know, it, that was a great experience. But, yeah, it was, Man. Um, you know, I mean, my junior year, I had an unbelievable year. Was You mentioned the player of the year in the SUNY. And um, I was the, the Division three West, which was all the AC, ECAC schools in the SUNY player of the year. And, um uh, you know, my senior year, I still had a great, great year, but it uh, it yeah. wasn't what I had, had, had envisioned. Right. Well, I mean, that's, you know, and again, we've always, we were just talking about right place, right time. Yeah. Sometimes it's wrong place, wrong time too. Yeah. And that's, but you did end up uh, coming home. Yeah. To uh, play in the United Hockey League's uh, Bullhog Valley Prowlers right from their inception. Yeah. So uh, how did you end up uh, joining up with the Prowlers? Well, like I had mentioned before, after I was in, I was sitting in Kentucky and, they had finally came to the conclusion once they shuffled the guys that were going to stay there from the NHL and and and, um, and 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 the guys that were going to stay there permanently in Kentucky, and they were shuffling a bunch of us back to the East Coast and UHL. So I believe that was the first year the IHL had folded. So hmm. I know it was a, a really good, really good league. There were a bunch of the, the teams: Kalamazoo, Fort Wayne, Saginaw, that were old IHL teams playing in the league. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it was basically my choice. Go back to Richmond or uh, go to the UHL at the time. And um, so I decided, oh, let me try going home and, and yeah. seeing how that worked out. And uh, it was certainly a great experience. That is, I mean, that had to have been, you know, especially um, since you had been away from home for so long at yeah. that point. Yeah. And, um, but I have to ask you, so you played for Dave the Hammer Schultz. <laughs> you started laughing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, known for being an enforcer on the ice. Uh, how was he as a, as a coach? Well, he, he was amazing in some aspects. And... Um, and not one of the the best technical coaches that I ever had. It, when, the things that he taught or instilled us. I mean, because there were there were, it was it was a little bit older than the East Coast. There were there were more guys in the East Coast that I played in care in Richmond with that were certainly ended up going on the bigger and better things. Like I said, the year before there were five four or five guys that were playing in the NHL. Um, so the UHL was a little bit older of a league. What Dave was great at was talking to us about being a professional, and, and, and even though he was he was a wild man, of what it what it takes, and encouraging some of us that mm-hmm. were still young and that he thought had the talent enough to keep 
moving up on what it took to get to the next level. And certainly, obviously, um, even though he was a fighter, he came up in the junior ranks and was actually, as a junior player, a, a decent score. Mm-hmm. Um, so that aspect, he was wonderful. Um, he was one of those pieces that, um, professionally speaking, you know, I, I mean, I, I just remembered, you know, a lot of times, and, and then the small, the, the small um, minor league hockey or minor league baseball, what like Heenan has done to promote Utica is what you need to do. Right. So I know a lot of times it'd be after a game and you'd have a beer in the locker room. The last thing you want to do is go sit up stairs and sign autographs or do sure. whatever. And, and, and Dave used to say, at some point, no one's going to care. And he's like, it's going to come quicker than you think. You know, I know this might be a pain in the neck or, you know, you're beat up and, you you know, you're getting stitches. But right. So as far as that is concerned, um, he was wonderful. Hockey-wise, uh, you know, I definitely could share some great stories with him. I remember <laughs> I remember, I remember getting sent down in my first practice. I, I, I just rolled into town from Kentucky um, at about 1 in the morning. And my agent called me and said, Dave's going to call your home. So he said, here's a number, or why don't you call Dave? So it was like 1, 1.30 in the morning. Dave's, and he said, my agent said, Schultz, he said, Does, he doesn't care what time. He'll probably be up drinking. So <laughs> I get home, I call him. He says, yeah, Coates, we got practice at 10 a.m. Why don't you get there at 9.30? I'm bringing some guys on. We're going to go over the power play. we got a bunch of new guys that are being sent down from the American League. So we get on the ice and it's it's nine thirty and there's a, the guys that he had told and myself and I'm kind of introducing myself to some of the new players. He rolls on about a half hour late, <laughs> skates over to us, puts the chalkboard up, doesn't say anything, starts diagramming. All right, Mark, I want you here. No, 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 I want you here on this dot. Well, uh, uh, Palmer, <laughs> we're going to put you here. No, you go on this stop. And he did this for about five minutes. And we're looking at each other, and I'm confused. I have no idea where <laughs> where he wants me in the power play. It's, it's the miracle. It's the miracle scene already. Yeah. <laughs> Does anybody know what he's talking about? Finally, he turns around and, and, and fires the, the marker at one of our guys and says, F you guys. You guys are a lot better scorers than I ever was. You guys figure it out. Skate it off the ice. And <laughs> that was my introduction. I'm sitting here going, oh, I'm not in Kansas anymore. You know? and it was, uh, you know, in the American League, there was goalie. There were five or six guys out there for practice and, you know, working with the goalies. And it was just a totally different environment. And, uh, and uh, yeah, he, w- he was something else. <laughs> for sure. I, rem- I remember one time um, that first year we were playing in Thunder Bay and our power play, because he didn't work on it much with us, we had a lot of really skilled guys, but there was there was really, no, we would get out there and decide what to do. And, you know, at that level, you need to practice and have a rhyme or a reason. I always said that the, the power play is the closest thing to football other than the contact that it's out there. A good power play should have three or four options till you get the shot that you want. And if this option and play within the power play doesn't work, you switch it around and kind of go from there. And, um, you know, we didn't have that. So we're up in Thunder Bay, and I get tripped. And ref pulls his arm up, pulls the whistle, and I get tripped right around the, the neutral zone. So the player from Thunder Bay, that's Jason Firth, who was a great player, 
trip me up, goes to the box. And Schultz is standing on top of the dasher board, past the players, <laughs> screaming at the top of his lungs. And I never forget, the, the ref looks at me and says, Coach, what the hell is Schultz saying? And I don't know what he's He's just going crazy. I said, I have no idea. So the, both the ref and I skate over to him, and, you know, he's effing him and this and that. And the ref says, Schultz, I gave Firthy a penalty. What trip mark? What are you what are you talking about? And he says, You know well how bad our power play is. <laughs> I am gonna meet you if you call another penalty on the other team, I'm gonna meet you in your locker room after the game. The ref and I just look at each other like you know, it's the first time a coach had ever threatened the ref. If they called a penalty. If they called if they gave us another power play that that he was gonna the coach was gonna meet him outside after the game. I mean it it was that's that's great. But uh yeah. I bet the ref believed it too. I was like, oh, this is Dave Schultz. He looked, he looked at me and smirked and skated away. And, you know, I think the next time we got a big power play, he threw the water bottle out on the ice at him. And it was, I, I never witnessed anything. The guys on the bench were just looking at me. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, he, he, he uh, you know, like I said, off the ice, he was, he was wonderful to play for and made a lot of us better in, in that regard. Um, the X's and O's, a lot of the players pretty much yeah. took care of that. I remember, I'll tell you one more quick story. We were in Flint, and I'm outside taping my stick. Um, this is, I think, in between warm-ups and when they're cutting the ice. And a couple other guys are, you know, when I played, the one pieces weren't around. It mm-hmm. was, it was uh, I, had, I had a contract with Bend and Branches, so I had – a, a blade with that's when the Easton two piece came out. The graphite was the first year they had. So a couple of guys are fixing their blades, and I see Schultz leaning up against the wall, like totally confused what's going on, looking at the lineup card. <laughs> and uh, he comes in there and he goes, All right, he, you know, he's like, uh, Listen up, you cocksuckers. That's what he always called us. <laughs> <laughs> he said, He said, <laughs> He said, I have no idea what they're trying to do, but. You know, you expletive better, better. You guys better be ready to go. He's like, so we, we we played Flint the night before. This is a two game series. It's the next night, and he said, last night uh, they had Mark Major who, who played with the Red Wings. They have Major starting out on left D. They have uh, Brian Sackett, um, Joe's brother, starting out on right defenseman. He's normally a center. They have. Uh, um, I can't. Nick Stajahar, who was a who was an unbelievable player, he was seventh overall by Edmonton, had a bad knee injury and got stuck in the minors. He Nick's starting out at center, and so and so wasn't even in the lineup. He's starting in right wing. So you mother effers better be ready to go. I have no I, I have no idea what what uh, Shedden was their Doug Shedden was their coach. I have no idea what Shed's doing over there. But you guys better be ready to go. And opens the door and slams it and walks out. And I looked at Serge, and he's looking at me confused as to what the heck is going on. Two is minutes that our, later. Is that our pregame speech? Yeah. <laughs> he's, so look, he's looking at me, and I'm trying to translate a little bit into what Schultz was just saying. Two minutes later, he comes opening the door. God damn it. He goes, scratch that. That's our starting lineup. And so, <laughs> 
So yeah, after berating us for 10 minutes and being totally confused, he was looking at the numbers of our starting lineup and couldn't figure out what what Flint was doing. So yeah, he uh, he was certainly uh, he was a, a fun guy to play with and play for. But uh, I can't believe he only lasted one season as coach. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. It's weird. I wonder why. But uh, yeah, he he he, w- he was a lot of fun and definitely a lot of great memories. Some of those stories that I have playing for him. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Where were the iPhones back then to get that on video, right? Oh. And I mean, I mean, he was just, he was madder than a hornet, and he was, I don't know what's going on, what they're doing, and you guys, you know, berating us. You better be ready to play. We played well last night, and boom, flies out, and we're all like, oh, okay. I don't know what they could be doing. Yep, two minutes later, no. Forget that. That's our lineup. <laughs> Oops. Sorry <laughs> about that, guys. <laughs> Didn't say a word. It's, just get out there. Okay. Yeah. And somebody grabbed me a beer on the way out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, so there was three seasons you were with, with the Prowlers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the team ultimately ended up folding in 2001, which was, it was a real shame. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, the way everything went down. And then there, we had a couple more seasons in hockey, and then you were pretty much out as far as. Yeah, that was. Um, I mean, by then I was I was physically getting and mentally a little nicked up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the realization of of where where I was. I mean, it was it, it, listen. Anytime you get you get paid one cent to play a sport, um, you know, you should be honored, and I certainly was, and and loved every minute of it. Um, but at the time, after what we went through, and then you know. It, Everything happens for a reason, you know. Unfortunately, the owner, uh, what most people don't know is until the Comets two years ago, the the Prowlers, because I did some help um, promoting the team and, and reaching out to people mm-hmm. um, in the offseason, the Prowlers had more season ticket holders than, including the Utica Devils, than any pro organization had ever. Really? And only the Comets beat them. A few years ago when they got to the 3,000 mark. Yeah, we had like, it was over. I remember looking, and I couldn't believe it. We had a, almost 2,900 season ticket holders. Wow. I think, I didn't I think realize it was that many. We were looking at the um, uh, a guy by the name of um, uh, Robbie Nichols, who had coached in Flint and what has been running the Elmira team the last few years and played with Detroit. He was a great guy. He They had hired him to do some promoting and stuff. And we were looking at, we found the records from the Mohawk Valley, uh, the Utica Mohawks on up mm-hmm. uh, in attendance. And we were killing, I was surprised even the Utica Devils, killing th- those season ticket numbers. And I, I think the second year, which was probably one of the best pro- teams I ever played on with, uh, when Merrill Burge came and we ended up losing the Quad City in the in the UHL semis and Chris Palmer and Vecarelli and... Um, Myself and Yanetti and and Tim Harris and Frederick Lass and Roman Mucha, who just retired a few years ago playing in Czechoslovakia. I mean, we had a a lot of talented guys. And, um, yeah, the team made money, and unfortunately the owner was, was, um, you know, he clipped a bunch of us with some money in the end. And and once that went down, um, it was – I was kind of – you know, I had an opportunity to go to Europe, to Germany, and uh, and play, and, but the team wasn't going to uh, have me come unless I signed a three-year deal. Right. And, mm-hmm. and at the time, I was just, 
Um, you know, I, I, the workout, I had, I had a bad eye injury um, my second year with the Prowlers and had broken my hand um, the first year when I got sent down. Um, was slashed and, and broke my hand pretty bad. And so the injuries and, and that stuff was starting to catch up. And, you know, at the time I said, well, you know, maybe it's, there's no, there's very few people in the minor or at the pro level that can do a Derek Jeter and play for the team that they want to play for for 20 years and go out gracefully. And sure. that rarely happens. Right. Even at, and, you know, um, you know, I mean, I, I would, I, I got to be pr- pretty good friends with with Wayne Gretzky's brother Brent, who was playing in Asheville, um, because I had a, a friend from Richmond playing with him. And when they would come here, I always used to go out with Brent, and and uh, and he he used to said, you know, when his brother got done, it was, you know, not the way he wanted right. to go out. It was just time and kind of the best player ever you know, w- w- felt that his game had passed him. And sure. so I was kind of like, you know, at, at the minor league level at the time saying, you know, this is probably now the best time to move on. And, and, uh, and so I did. Yeah. You, uh, you still playing any pickup anywhere or anything? Or? I don't, no? I don't. Um, when I, when I got done playing, I, um, I, I took about a year off, um, and, and let some injuries, um, um, heal up and uh, I got in the pharmaceutical business and yeah, started, I had a bunch of the friends, the, the guys that I had mentioned, the Masoods and Gauls and guys I grew up that were a little bit older playing in the men's league in Clinton. And at the time was probably, um, well, it wasn't probably, it was, pro- it was the best legal around that it was pretty much, there weren't really any restrictions on who you can play, or mm-hmm. if, if you played at this level, you can't play. And so we, I played for about four or five years, and pretty much um, 2008 was like the last year I played. I played uh, in 2015 in a league in New Hartford. I had some buddies that wanted mm-hmm. to play, and I brought a bunch of my Scotty Osmail, Masood, and Franny Altieri, and a bunch of guys, and we played. I ended up maybe playing eight or nine games that year. But um, once I opened up my hockey store, I didn't really want to be around Right. Um, and that's really, that's, I, I always break Heenan's chops that I said, well, you're only here because I didn't want the job. They had, <laughs> they had offered at Utica College. I was still playing at the time and, and said, no, I have, you know, no interest in, in coaching. And it's funny. A lot of guys that get done can't get enough of it. Um, me, I kind of wanted to, I couldn't wait to get away from the game, which was hard for me to accept because. It pretty much was my identity, mm-hmm. my my whole youth, and why I went away to prep school because of hockey and my college right. experience and pro experience. And um, you know, at the time, it it was it was a struggle just trying to exit. You know, right, gracefully, gracefully, yeah. Yeah. With, with with some highs and and some lows. <clears throat> That you know, Norse, you know, um, like my stockbroker says, no one bets a thousand in life. Right, and and, um, and certainly I had a lot of great opportunity in hockey and uh, made a lot of great friends and it brought me all over the world. But um, at the time, I just kind of wanted to step aside and sure. and 
Well, the reason I asked if you're still playing is because Jeremy and I actually play in the Clinton B League, and we're on the same team, the Killebrew, and we have a couple openings, so we're wondering (laughs) if you could just change your name, maybe wear a mask to the draft, you know? I don't don't think they would have any problems with me playing as bad as I probably would play. Um, I tell you, I watched them play. They need your help. (laughs) I don't don't know. So sorry, Jeremy. Yeah, he was referring to me. Don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I don't know if I'd be worth it. Uh, I don't think anyone would. would, Yeah, uh, (laughs) you want a bed? Never mind. I can't say that. Yeah. No, but it's it's amazing. I I I found. um, So I didn't really, other than uh, my family, my younger brother. When he got done playing, he had some injuries. We started. He was living out in Nantucket. We started a hockey camp out there. Uh, and he and I did that together for three or four years and then kind of turned it into a family thing. And that really, in the in, in the years after the Clinton League, that was the only time that week I'd have skates on in a year. Um, and um, I certainly remember playing in, in, in the New Hartford League in 15, the, I don't know, whatever, the eight or nine, ten games that we played in. Um, that I was like, uh, I might hurt myself. Because uh, <laughs> my mind, you know, now I know. I know what my mom, now I get what she was saying as she got older, saying, you know, unless you look in the mirror, you still think you're that, you know, beautiful person at 20 years old. And my mind thought I could do the things, um, but my body physically couldn't. Yeah. And, yep. and uh, you know, that, 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 that could be a, a, a little bit uh, frustrating, you know. I had to kind of keep it in, 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 in mind that, you know, some of the kids I'd see them at props are like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, you're still good, but, you, you know, I don't know. And then it's like, well, you're only seeing about 20% of a shell of, yeah. of <laughs> what it used to be. Um, but uh, I'll feeling well there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned the store, and I. It, so you opened that in two thousand eight, correct? Nine. Nine. I'm sorry. I, yeah. Okay, I wrote it down wrong. Um, yeah. After uh, Sticks and Skates had closed. Yeah. So what was it that made you say, "I'm going to open up the store that replaces that store"? Yeah. Well, and tell us a little bit about it. That that really was never um, my my thought or business plan mm-hmm. to uh, replace what. Rock uh, Grazadade started, and then when Chad took it over, I mean, they, they were in a different animal. And when they got into it, the Internet was just kicking on, and they hit it right at the right time. Um, and I know, uh, uh, speaking with Chad, you know, I felt there was, a, there was a year in between Sticks and Skates and my shop opening. And at the time, I, I basically did it for... You know, I I, fe- I felt that unless you went to Mackay's, that there was a, nowhere to get the small incidental stuffs that that Dicks wouldn't have. Whether right. it would be glue for your two piece at the at the time before the one piece stick, good sharpening, a little bit higher end stick. There was nothing in between. So, really, I, it was the, the whole premise about it, and and what I was thinking was more just like a little store that's. M- Maybe with my experience, and and I brought on a guy that had his own store um, in Syracuse that had worked with with uh, Chad at Sticks and Skates and still wanted to be involved. You know, it was it was more or less that Rick and I were just going to offer something that there wasn't really around. Clinton mm-hmm. didn't have anything um, at the time. 
Um, New Hartford had a little shop, but, you know, the sticks and the equipment they carried, there wasn't much in the way that the guys that I were was playing with in the Clinton League would, would use. Or, right, right. You know, and so I was trying to bridge that um, gap between, like, a Dix and and something of a smaller variety. I mean, it's certainly two years later, I was open with Bauer and Reebok at the time and CCM. And I mean, it, it, it's, it's grown and went in a different direction mm-hmm. completely in a good way from where. Um, yeah, where, you got a heck of a selection there. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's tough. You either, it, it's tough being a tweener. So I've always had a job that paid the bills. And mm-hmm. I think, I think in, in, as well as Chad did, um, he was surprised the local business that I that he did. As big as sticks and skates and the amount of selection, when I was telling my numbers, he was like, geez, Mark, even though I have five times the selection, my store was big over on the boulevard, you're doing as much locally as, as I did. Mm-hmm. I mean, what kept him going was the uh, was the internet business. And right. I mean, that's, that's a tough gig when you're, different time zones and you're shipping all over the country. Exactly. He was like, I was sick of getting up at four in the morning, checking to see what the hockey giants were doing in California the the night before. And I mean, it was a grind. And and for me, that wasn't, it was, it was, I didn't have any children. It was a way um, after I kind of mentally was, was comfortable Mm -hmm. with how things went in my playing career it was a way to me re-engaging back into the hockey community. Um, you know, I, I mean, sitting on a bus and uh, what Gary and, and especially at the Division Three and Division One level they do, and the amount of travel for recruiting and that I that I had no interest in doing that, and that was a big reason why I didn't really get into coaching. Right. Um, you know, I still stayed involved with. I was on and one of the coaches uh, for the Empire State Games um, and coached that. I was involved in the USA Hockey Selection Committee, but that was about all. It was kind of on my time. Mm-hmm. You know, those camps were kind of a couple weeks at a time, and it wasn't a big commitment. And um, so the store just was an avenue to kind of me to reengage right. back in my previous life, and that's why I did it. Um, and and. You know, I was hoping at the time it would be, you know, I, I wasn't that far removed from playing. So, um, you know, I had some other ideas instead of putting my name on it. Um, Al T, I don't know if you remember Al. He was a, a legend. He did all the jerseys for the Devils, all the tackle 12. It was his yep. idea to use mm-hmm. my name because I wasn't really that far removed. So the, now the kids have no idea. Unless they see a picture in the store, they have no idea whether, you know, Half the time I'm, I'm giving them advice and they're looking at me like, who are you? <laughs> uh, and that's okay. I probably would have done the same thing, you know. Just tell um, them, YouTube kids, YouTube. <laughs> they don't I, understand I, that. I would have done the, the same thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, so it, it, it's gone in a, a completely different direction um, than I ever anticipated in, in, in a good way. But, you know, we, we, we've tried to keep it manageable and small enough that um, if you go big – and um, it's tough to compete with the Amazon. I mean, it, it is. Amazon is selling hockey equipment now. Yeah. And, and I don't blame people um, for using the Internet. It, it's, it's quick. It's easy. Um, 
I'm not much of an, an, an internet person. I bought, I, I really athletically, um, I played some competitive slow pitch softball and some tournament teams. And I really got big in the golf. And I bought a driver, I remember, online. So only, I've, I've spent thousands and thousands of dollars since 2000 in golf clubs. And I bought a driver once, and I was a member at the Anadasis, and it broke. And I reluctantly took it back to, to the pro there, even though I didn't buy it from like, you know, what should I do? And, you know, he, he helped me out, but there wasn't, you know, I had to call Cobra, and it was like right. an act of Congress to try to send something <laughs> back. Exactly. And, um, you know, I mean, we try to... I've turned away more business in the store, really. I mean, I've talked more kids out of when they come in with their grandfathers and they're in high school. And I remember this kid in Rome, um, specifically, he wanted the Air Jordans of skates and they're eight and $900. <laughs> and Grandpa yep. was, was ready to peel out the hundreds. And I'm like, you know, you may not want to listen to me, but this isn't the right skate for you. Right. You know, if you're a 200 pound pro guy, I said, first of all, in high school, in 20 games in practice, you're not going to break them in. No, no and, way. And, um, you know, I said, these that are 400 bucks, 500 or more than a skate. And I remember the kid coming back in a mu- about a month later saying, oh, I'm so glad I listened to you. They fit perfect. And, and that that's the most important thing that we try to do is get people in the right. Mm-hmm. You know, I encourage, yep. I encourage all the parents that, that don't play hockey, and like I said, I mean, I don't know what Play It Again would do. They're in the business of selling items when someone walks through the door. That's not really right. my goal. My goal is to help in you and, and your kids out with your need. And uh, many times I say, bring the whole bag in. We'll suit them up, and I'll tell you, these fit, these yeah. fit, these don't fit. And that's what we try to do. Well, and that's great that, you, you know, with you and your the experience that you guys have, you're able to mm-hmm. do what you just said. And I'll tell you, you know, I, Internet for me, as far as, like, buying hockey equipment, I like to actually put a pair of gloves on. Yeah. Right? I like to, you know, okay, how's how's the flex on this stick yep. for me? Yep. You know, and you don't get that with the Internet. Yeah. You know, Scotty, aren't you still using a wooden stick? Not anymore. I got away from that. <laughs> All right. I finally did. But uh, <laughs> what's wrong with that, Jerry? That was my calling card. Yeah. Okay. Straight, was, straight what, blade too. Straight blade. No, it wasn't. It was the coffee curve. Like, oh, like, that yeah. just set me apart. Yeah. Okay, yeah really. Illegal stick over here. Yeah. yeah see. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about promotion. <laughs> yeah. I, re- I remember my dad when I was younger. I used Christian sticks, and yep. he'd go to New Method yep. Bandage in Rome, and you know. Get like twenty of them for you know eighty dollars or something like that. It lasts me a couple of years. It's I crazy. My, I still have my Christian sticks. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy, and, and they're a great company. And yeah, um, that's what we used at St. Cloud. I mean, the, the, the Christian blades. We'd send them our patterns, and 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 the Christian brothers were close with our program, and and uh, they were great stick. But well, they were geographically pretty close to the school anyway. Yeah, they were the yeah. Well, they. They were uh, uh, up in um, Warroad, yeah. Minnesota, and uh, <laughs> that that was one thing about St. Cloud that I loved. I got to experience some of those. Um, you know, Warroad has three rinks, and it's you know, it, it's the size of Dodgeville. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. Thief River and Rosa, where they make Polaris. I mean, they've had twenty five Olympians and NHL guys, and I was playing with a couple guys. I remember we were playing at, at my sophomore year at North Dakota. And uh, a guy by the name of Bill Lund, who was a, a legend of Minnesota hockey, he was a runner-up for for Mr. Hockey in the state of Minnesota as a high school player. He was drafted by Philly. He was a senior um, the year I was at St. Cloud. So 
he invited a, a bunch of us. We were playing at North Dakota at, at Thanksgiving to go to, to Roseau from Grand Forks. And on the way, he says, oh, we're going to a wedding. And I'm used to like, I'm like, do they know? Are we invited? <laughs> so every wedding in Roseau is the, at the VFW. And all they do is they put on a marquee, you know, Mike and Julie's wedding, 7 p.m. That's how they invite people up there. And the whole town goes. <laughs> and and I, I remember walking in and, and uh, you know, there were, you know, I don't know. Five, six, the place was packed, five, six hundred people. The whole town was there. Well, whatever many there are in Roseau. And, you know, we're walking in with our, our St. Cloud tracksuits because we just got done playing. And, you know, the, the Windsor and Cokes is what they drink up there is we're, we're, we're flying. But it was certainly, uh, those towns are a little bit different than <laughs> people couldn't believe that, you know, um, a town the size of Chadwick's near, near New Hartford, where I live, would have like three indoor rinks. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, you're right. kidding. <laughs> yeah, you got to tell people, I, I can't make this up. I can't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, just to so just to follow for people that that don't know, where's the store located? Uh, hours, days are open. So we're uh, we're located uh, in the old part little building on Two Campion Road, New Hartford. Um, right now during the summer, we're open Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights, five to eight. Come October first, when the when the uh, the rinks hopefully will open up in full capacity and everyone will be playing, then we go to Monday through Friday five to nine, and then uh, we have hours on Saturday. So um, we're still running the, the pro shop in, in the rink in New Hartford and the rink at Kennedy in Rome. So, um, you know, that was a little bit of a struggle with, with those rinks being essentially right. closed to the public um, during COVID last winter. But, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, hopefully, um, you know, even though they the people are getting nervous about this Delta variant that, the kids will still be able to play, and men's right, leagues well, will, so. will 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 continue in high school, and so just kind of cross our fingers now yeah. at this point, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's and you guys, like I said, you do a great. I've, I've had my my skate sharpen in your place, and you guys do a fantastic job. And and I'm sure, like if, if somebody had a, their heart set on a certain stick, you could probably order it for them. Oh yeah, you know? I mean anything. Um, you know, I I two guys I called Bauer today for uh, for for skates. You know, I mean it when you, when you I found that I that prior to Chad, some of the stores, the Gold Post and and Night of Bike was a little bit different because um, with the bicycle sh- uh, shop, they had a little bit more of a different avenue to engage other customers. Um, I feel that a, a standalone store in our area, um, because of the lack of population, if you did a, a big store, one it would be tough to survive. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we've been able, especially through COVID, and, and keep it going, is having other jobs. We 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 all have other sources of income, so it, it really, you know, it, it, if we we do well one month, great. If we break even, pay the bills, that's fine. We're not shutting down, right? And um, so that that really, you know, I mean, a lot of times we offer services that people call me and. My store's closed. I live a couple miles down the road. I'll meet someone. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I always try to remind the public, Macy's isn't going to do that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly when they, right. When they were here, if you needed a tie for a wedding, the, sorry, we're closed, yeah. you know. So, you get here early in the morning. Yeah. Cross, <laughs> cross your fingers. Yeah, That's right. So those are the, the little things that we try to do to set us our, ourselves up apart um, versus a, a, a retail 
you know, story. Well, that's that's excellent. Like I said, I can I personally vouch. I mean, that you guys, if Appreciate anybody's that. playing hockey out there, yeah, seriously, that's the store to go to. Yeah, but did you that. get it though? He did say it's the, the little things. It is. It is the little things. See, yeah. it all circles back you. to that. <laughs> told you. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. <laughs> oh, oh boy. God. Well, this has been a lot of fun. And Mark, you going to stick around for the... Absolutely. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to yeah. go to our first commercial break here. But before we go, we're going to do breakaway trivia. Yeah, hey, Gump's I don't favorite. Like this question. Uh-huh. I don't like this question. <laughs> good. Good. I like I to hear that. Question. So breakaway trivia is brought to you by Jimmy the Iceman McNeil's children's book, The Red and White Zamboni Ice Machine. You can order your copy of the book by emailing Jimmy at Mac underscore Iceman at Hotmail.com. This week's breakaway trivia question is... Who are the only three players to have played in an NHL game after they were elected to the Hockey Hall of Fame? Hmm. The answer, when we come back. Visit My Little Falls and stay connected with the latest news, information, and events in the city and the area. Our mission is to generate interest in the community and connect residents in a more meaningful way by facilitating deeper conversations about how these stories will shape the future of the Mohawk Valley. Join thousands of weekly visitors who stay up to date with feature stories, interviews, videos, our event calendar, and print publication, the Mohawk Valley Express. It's about timely local news for the community, keeping citizens informed about important issues, telling about the people who live and work here, and giving locally owned businesses the opportunity to reach a very targeted audience of locals and tourists alike. It's a whole new form of media-rich content developed specifically for today's mobile lifestyle and listeners. You can download our iOS app in the iTunes store, listen to our country music streaming radio station, or sign up for a weekly newsletter. Stop by today at MyBunFalls.com. You'll be glad you did. You know, Dave, you got to send me the download of that song so that we can play that in the locker room before our game. So that just gets it, me so pumped up. That, what? Yeah. You want to play stop, that before your game, s- huh? Stop speaking. <laughs> <laughs> you are, you've officially made my head hurt. <laughs> I'm so glad I made your night. <laughs> just you know what, Dave? Just just send it to him like on like a little I don't know USB link or stick something. or something. Or, yeah, yeah, so he can just plug it into his phone. And he can put his own. Headphones. No, no, no. I'm I'll gonna put it on a cassette and I'll bring no. in my Walkman. How's I'm that? Ma- I'm gonna make it a ringtone for you. Hey, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. You're all hurt, pal. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're back for segment two, Hockey Hot Takes. And as always, we start off Hockey Hot Takes with our answer to breakaway trivia. But I'm going to give you guys a question one more time just so you can think about it one second longer. And the question is, who are the only three players to have played in an NHL game after they were elected to the Hockey Hall of Fame? Gump, as always, we're going to start yeah, with you. Yeah, yeah, You know, now you got you got a live guy here who's played professional <laughs> hockey. And they, yeah, they like to rip me up. But anyway, <laughs> the first guy I'm going to say is Gordy Howe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The second one, here goes the laughter, Marcel Dion. Mm. And what's the third? Uh, Mario Lemieux. Okay. Jeremy, who's I'm your guess? Go, I'm going to go with his first two. I'm gonna stick with those first two, but uh, and Yager. I don't know, only because he's still playing. Ooh, I forgot about Yager. It's an I NHL even, game. I don't need, oh, it's the NHL. Who cares? I'm stick with Yager because it's a dumb question. <laughs> <laughs> I like you more and more, Jeremy. I'm done. <laughs> Mark, what do you think? Ah, uh, boy, I, it's definitely got to be Gordy Howe and Mario Lemieux were the first two. Um, 
that, can, that would come to mind. And um, I can't think of, it's not Brodeur, but that he would come to mind. I don't know who would. Marcel Dion is a, is a good guess. I'm trying to think. I know Lemieux, I'm pretty sure, was from retiring from his cancer and then coming back. And obviously Gordy played mm-hmm. forever. So yeah, <laughs> those are too logical. I, I, I have no idea who the third one would be. Well, you guys are right about Gordy and, and Mario. Yeah. The third one is Guy Lafleur. Oh. Ugh. He retired from Montreal, and then he came back to play for the Rangers and the Nordiques. So, I had, I had yeah. him. I couldn't remember his name. Yeah. You couldn't remember Guy Lafleur's name? I know. I know. I know. Yes. I, I know I'm a Ranger fan, yeah. and I watched yeah. him play forever, I but I just couldn't. I'm old, Scott. You I'm not even going to say anything. Gug can't remember his own name. I'm old. I played hockey 60 years yeah. ago. You guys yeah. talk about all these fancy sticks? Yeah. I had a Northland Pro for Christ. Those were great sticks. <laughs> he cut his down off the tree. <laughs> <laughs> you had to go say that, didn't you? Yeah, but he had to get Eve out of the way. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> oh, boy. Well, well, two out of three ain't bad. Yeah, not bad. I, I never knew Gee retired, and, and I remember him playing with the Rangers. but Yeah, he uh, had a big uh, falling out with the Montreal management. And he got pretty upset with them. And he just said, well, then, you know, screw you, I'm retiring. Right. A few years later, after he was elected to the Hockey Hall of Fame, he had a little bit of a change of heart. And said right. he, he wasn't bad when he came back. No, you know? no. He wasn't I, bad I, at I all. Couldn't, I couldn't. All I could think of was Henri Richard. I know it wasn't him. I knew who it was. I couldn't think of his name. Hmm. You know, I feel, I feel the same way. I, I had all three all lined up. I just couldn't think of their names in the right order. I couldn't do that either. Oh, I thought you were talking about coming back after being elected to the Hockey Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, I had all three of them. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah, well, yeah. you're on yeah. your phone out. That's why I didn't ask you. Oh, yeah, that's right. You, you can't even spell hockey. Yeah, I, that, I had it right here. Uh, so let's kick off hot takes here. Uh, and I hate to start off like this, but... Uh, our prayers and condolences to the families of Rod Gilbert, Jimmy Hayes, Caleb Brimer, Parker Magnuson, Ronan Sharma, and Jay Greenberg. Uh, Gilbert, who was known as Mr. Ranger, passed away on Sunday at the age of 80. Uh, Hayes, who played for the Bruins and the Devils and is the brother of Philadelphia Flyer Kevin Hayes, died unexpectedly on Monday at the age of 31. Reimer, Magnuson, and Sharma played for the Delta Hockey Academy in British Columbia and were tragically killed in a car accident on Saturday. They were 16 and 17 years old, and Greenberg was a legendary hockey and sports writer in general and was 71 at the time of his passing on Thursday. Just a real rough week for, for hockey. That was just terrible all the way around. It, it really was. Um, so don't want to dwell on it too much because it's it's terrible. It, it really is. But um, like I said, our prayers and condolences to the families of all. And so, uh, happy birthday to handsome brother Steve Carlson. He turned 66 on Thursday. Uh, Do you guys know that he actually played a season in the NHL? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, played for the Kings for one year. Uh, didn't do too bad either. I don't know why he only stuck around for one season, but it is what it is. played with the Kings. That's why. I'd, I'd want to stick well, around for one season. Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there you go. Man, yeah. you're just, you're still angry. You're still angry. That's all I got to say. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and also, happy birthday to our very own Gump. Gump uh-huh. is going to be turning 73 on oh. Friday. Oh, yeah. yeah I, uh, 
No big deal. <laughs> our number, our first round draft pick, right there. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah, there you go. Right. Yeah, it worked out good. <laughs> you can play for me in the Clinton League. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be an even trade. No. We a, I'm sure they would rather have you play. Oh, in the '60s, we did. We played you guys a lot. You know. <laughs> but again, that was back when the chicken wire was still yeah. for instead. Oh, of yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> and my Larson Pro, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to tell that story about the gutter belt again sometime. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, it's true. It's all true. Man, oh, I ain't got my phone. Your wife's got it because I lost my Facebook somehow. I don't know what I did, but I was going to show him the picture of the... Uh, I wish the, we could uh, all lose Facebook. Russell Parker. Yeah, I know, right? well, we played years Facebook, ago. So he have his phone? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's a whole story, but it's... <laughs> boy, that's a long time ago. Oh, boy. <laughs> And one last happy birthday to Tim Sestito, the former Edmonton Oiler and New Jersey Devil and also Rome, New York native, turns 37 on Saturday. So that's what we got for our happy birthdays. Uh, let's see. Congratulations to Henrik Lundqvist on his retirement. Uh, he ended up finishing with 459 wins and 15 seasons played. Uh, surefire first battle Hall of Famer's got to be. Absolutely. Got to be. Yep. Uh, you know, that's it's, it's a shame that he never did get a cup. I was actually surprised that he only won one Vesna Award. Mm. Yeah, I, I was looking at that earlier. I'm like, wow, how how did yeah. that happen? You know, but, but you uh, look at some of the goalies today, yeah. man. These guys are good. I mean, geez. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I mean, there's there's no. I mean, I guess it's it's kind of hard when you got a guy like Marty Brodeur right in your your yeah. own division. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, in your backyard. Yeah, you know. But still, I mean, it's uh, one heck of a career. And I, you know what, I really wanted to see him play that one season with the Capitals, just because I would have loved to have seen what the reaction would have been if the Rangers and the Caps met in the playoffs. I would have just liked to see him just play in New York to see what the the crowd would have done and what they would have done and how they would have, you know, obviously they were going to accept him, but, you know, just to see that tribute that they would have put up for him. Oh, yeah. Oh, it would have been unbelievable. It, it really would have, <clears throat> you know. But, uh, you know, and it's, it's a shame to see that, it, that his career had to end because of the reasons yeah, that it did, way you know. Yeah. I mean, that's – I mean, obviously you, you never want to see anybody's career end, but that's – you know, it's better, it, his, in his case, it's better safe than sorry. Absolutely, absolutely, yes, and it's, yes. it's good that he's healthy again anyway. And um, we'll be uh, we'll be certainly watching his Hall of Fame induction induction ceremony. So. Absolutely. And let's see. Last but not least, the Evander Kane saga continues. His estranged wife has accused him of betting on his own games, which is a major oh. no no. Uh, the NHL has started an investigation, and if found guilty, he will be suspended for a long time. So, guys, I wanted to ask you, should the Sharks somehow try to move on from him? He's got four years left on his contract at $7 million per year, so it's going to be kind of hard to trade him, especially as he has a modified no-trade clause. Um, you know, there's a, the buyout option, uh, which will actually lower the cap hit, uh, but they'll be on the hook for eight years. Well, why don't you just keep him then? Yeah, it's kind of yeah. what I'm thinking. If he doesn't get suspended, I mean, I don't, I don't see how it would be – feasible to move on from him really he just can't i mean as much as they probably want to and just get away from the the black eye that he's causing if it's true um it's going to be easier just to keep him because i mean you're not taking any hits that way right right and then you know it's a real shame too because the guy is so talented mm-hmm. well, that's and why it's such know, a force on the true? ice you know is it actually true that's what's that's what's bothering me is it actually true yeah that's that's the other thing i mean and, and i'm glad that the league is actually going the route of, you know, doing the investigation before jumping the gun and, you know, 
suspending them and then do everything afterwards. You know, I mean, everybody's. I mean, it's got to be. It's got to be extremely. I mean, say all right. Say if he has he has bet on his on a game, and he's throwing a game. Now, Mark, you play professional. Is it? Would it be hard or would it be easy to actually throw a game? Um, it would. It would be very case. difficult, especially if you're not the goalie. I mean, right. yeah, I, I, yeah, you know, I, I mean, you can't shoot at your own net. This is a, this is, this is, uh, well, we can show Scott doing it. <laughs> the dude, the, who was that from Edmonton? Larry Steve Walker. Smith. Yeah. 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 But uh, I mean, I, this is the first that I'm, I'm, I'm hearing about this trouble with him. I mean, obviously he's got a reputation of, of, of being a, a, a little bit of a locker room issue, but I mean, certainly the union is not going to let it go, let them no. go quietly. So, right. Right. Um, you know, like like Jeremy said, th- they're going to have to prove the allegations, obviously beyond a reasonable <laughs> doubt where he's right. And and if not, th- that union is pretty powerful and and mm-hmm. will stick by the players. So, um, you know, whether San Jose wants them there or not, they may either have to eat the money if they want to get rid of them or right. Um, you know, if the league doesn't find just cause to suspend them. Right. And, you know, you made a great point, Mark, when, you know, unless you're the goalie, how can you, yeah, how do you, throw, how, how yeah. do you throw a, you know, I mean, that's, that's really hard. And I mean, sure. You can skate around as slow as you want, but guess what? The coach is going to bench you. Like you're done. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, you know, truthfully, when he was playing last year, he actually had a decent season. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not like he was not scoring or, or you know, anything like that. So, I don't know. I mean, I guess it, it, anything is possible. It's tough for me to believe that, and I'm not saying he's dumb, but a player would be that dumb to think that they can right. throw a game. Throw a game. Um, especially at that level. Well, so and, you know, I, I would be, yeah. It would be hard for me to, to say, yeah, that's a good bet. Right. I'm going to be able to do that. I don't want to speculate any further, but say he actually did bet on a game and throw a game, does he have a cohort with him? As if it may have uh-huh. been a goalie, yeah, yeah. for or against his own team, right? Well, I think you know where what a mean? lot of I this mean, that's that's going to be a there's a lot of there's 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 an investigation that you have to go through, obviously. Yeah. So I mean, I just don't see it. Well, and I don't um, see how they're going to you know fully complete it before the end of this or the start of the season either. Yeah. I mean, that's that's no. going to be really difficult. So yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and the <clears throat> fact that it's. You know, not to dismiss her claim, because who knows, but um, to me it would seem like it would be more plausible if it were a bookie coming after him. Right. Or the casino. Oh, yes. Or yes. Right. Rather than a disgruntled male sure. or female. Sure. Right. And I think where a lot of this gets fueled right. to the fire was he was having financial issues, mm-hmm. you yep. know, with bankruptcy. And, and, of course, the Internet being the, the wonderful thing that it can be, you know, next thing – Somebody says one thing, and then the next thing you know, it snowballs into another and another and sure. another. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what the, the league does come out with, but I don't think they're going to be able to resolve this anytime soon. So oh, Call Pete Rolls. Who do you think about it? <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> Get him to Cooperstown. Yeah, there you go. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, I lied. I did have one more news item. I just didn't scroll down. Uh, the IIHF, the International Ice Hockey Federation, has agreed to buy insurance coverage for, in, which includes COVID, for the NHL players playing in the Olympic qualifiers, uh, which take place uh, August 26th to the 29th. So, guys, it looks like it will be a go for the NHL in the uh, the Olympics. Uh, we've talked about this before. I'm not a big fan of it. I I just I understand players want to play for their country. I, I get that totally. 
But if you're the NHL, you got to be like pins and needles watching these games, especially if you're a playoff contender and your star player is there. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> that whole feeling of, please don't hit him. Please, please yeah. just yeah. get on the coach with the Hey, can you bench him, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it, uh, it does look like it's going to happen. So wait and see, my friends. It's going to be about it. You know, so, Scotty, there was one more little hot take there that you forgot was um, the uh, woman hockey player for Team USA. Oh, yeah. Just uh, set that record. That's right. That's right. She did. Go ahead and tell us about that. I can't think of her name, so I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Hillary Knight? Was mm-hmm. it Hillary Knight? Hillary Knight. Yes, it was. Yes. And now I can't even think of the record that she beat. For <laughs> the goals, I'm guessing, I think. <laughs> so like, here comes the professor with the lukewarm take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm all, hey, I was outside all day. I'm like just beat up from the heat. So I'm just... I'm I think hydrated. it is. I'm, I think it is total goals for for the uh, the women's championship. So yeah, you know, it's, and she's one heck of a hockey player too. There's no oh, doubt yeah, about yeah. it. And I, I I just want to add just about what you said about the NHL guys possibly going and and taking a break. I, I think the all power is the league. Mm-hmm. You know, the union certainly has. Um, even when I was playing the East Coast, we were part of the PHPA, which is the Professional Hockey Players Association, which at the time ran the East Coast, the IHL, and the HL. Um, and it was a pretty powerful organization. I think the NHL is telling the owners, to me, that they must, I think, make so much money letting the guys go and... Um, and, and, and people seeing how good the game is, mm-hmm. I think that's really the main. I'm sure as an owner, yeah, I would be sure. sitting on pins and needles if I had three or four guys out there. But <clears throat> the overall, I think the NHL commissioner is probably saying, tapping those owners sure. on the shoulder, saying, you know, the exposure the league and the is. guys get exactly. will, will bring you in X amount of dollars. And that is the end all, the be all of them. Sure, the because the every time they mention one of those players, so, it's going to be, you know, Artemi Panarin. From yeah, the New York New Rangers, Rangers. right? It's it's going to be mentioned over and over again, which is, you know, any exposure is good yeah. exposure, really. So yeah. the, the economic impact is is probably so great, absolutely. That, that the owners um, may that doesn't mean they're not sitting on pins and needles, but, but they if, say, all right, you know, if, if we can get through this, it might. When even, they're when they're sitting on a pile of cash, it makes yeah, it a lot easier, yeah. right? <laughs> add more add more gold mm-hmm. to the pot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Follow the money. Absolutely. Always follow the money. Absolutely. Uh, So that's all we got for Hockey Hot Takes. Uh, As always, we're going to end this segment with Website of the Week. Website of the Week is brought to you by 315hockey.com. 315hockey.com is your news hub for all levels of hockey in central New York. This week's Website of the Week is vintagemnhockey.com, which is a vintage Minnesota hockey. Fantastic website. So interesting to go through and see. Of course, obviously, Minnesota is the state of hockey. And it's just full of their history, pictures, articles, you name it, it's there. So if you get a few minutes, check it out. So that's it for segment two. We're going to take our last commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to ride on that Zamboni time machine. We'll be right back. Need to find that gift for someone special? Visit Little Falls Presents at the Stone Mill and Canal Place. Stop by today to find unique artist work. T-shirts, coffee cups, gift towels, greeting cards, tote bags, koozies, and original oil paintings and prints. It's all about the art of the gift. For more information, visit mylittlefalls.com shop or call 315-508-5310 for details. 
Great setup you guys have. How about that one, Scotty? Does that one get you fired up? No. Not, not as much. Not <laughs> no. as much. Do you want me to up my game on it? You know, I, I think you should. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I well, we could try, but I, I don't know. Yeah, we, we got some Diamond Dog stuff down there now, and that's not mentioned in there, so I'll, I'll up the game for you. But I wanted to keep that one to 30 seconds. So. Okay. I understand. I trust you. I'll see what I can do. I didn't. I didn't care for that one either. <laughs> commercial critiques. All right. <laughs> you started it, Mark. Yeah, I know you, I did too. You don't want me doing a commercial for you because I'll, I'll catch hell for that too. <laughs> Man. Oh boy. And we're back with segment three, the Zamboni Time Machine. The Zamboni Time Machine is brought to you by Zamboni.com, and the Zamboni name is used with permission from the Zamboni Company. This week, the Zamboni Time Machine takes us back to 1942 and the birth of the U.S. Coast Guard Cutters hockey team. The United States military has a long tradition of fielding teams in amateur and college athletics. Army, Navy, and Air Force have long been associated with football and several other sports. And today, Army and Air Force both have college hockey teams in the NCAA. The Coast Guard joined the athletic fray in 1942, shortly after the bombing of Pearl Harbor with the formation of the Cutters. The Cutters' home rink was in Curtis Bay, Maryland, and they wore sweaters similar to the soon-to-be-folded NHL's New York Americans, and they had a 30-piece marching band every game. They played in the Eastern Amateur Hockey League, which was considered to be, at the time, a premier amateur hockey league. To put it simply, the Cutters were a powerhouse. World War II provided a sudden influx of personnel into the military ranks, and the Coast Guard was no exception. This allowed the team to stockpile some talent that they otherwise would never have been available to them. The Cutters featured three future Hockey Hall of Famers, and they were goalie Frank, Mr. Zero Brimac, or Brimsack, sorry, defenseman Art Coulter, who was the captain of the New York Rangers' 1940 Stanley Cup winning team, and forward John Mariucci, who was also a charter member of the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. With this kind of talent, it's no wonder the Cutters won the Eastern Amateur Hockey League for the 1942-43 and the 1943-44 seasons. After the 1944 season, the Cutters were disbanded as pressure to have its players in the war effort instead of playing hockey finally overwhelmed the Coast Guard brass. Even still, the team was beloved. Former Cutter Mike Nardello would say, I loved that team so much that I never wanted to take off my equipment. Years later, when I played pro for the Clinton Comets, I'd always wear my Coast Guard jersey under my Comets uniform. And that, my friends, concludes this week's trip on the Zamboni Time Machine. So I got most of the information for that from that Minnesota or the vintage MN hockey website. So yeah. it's a, uh, I, th- I thought that was really cool. when I saw the, like the, the comment one, I'm like, wow. I go, yeah. I, what a I connection. Knew that. Yeah. 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 And I saw a picture of those, those sweaters they had, they were sharp. They, they really were. So, yeah. and of course, John Mariucci was a legend in Minnesota and that Mariucci arena that I played in was named after him and he coached. Really? There. Oh Yeah. Yeah, I did not know that. Where the Gophers play is the Mariucci Arena. Yes, yep. it is. Wow. See, it all tied in. Yep. Minnesota Gophers. <laughs> That's <Yep>. awesome. <laughs> he thought you were really on top of your game until you said you <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> he, should, he, should, he could have played it off. That's why I did that. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, God. It should have never gone there. This is why I lose money every time I go to the casino. <laughs> every time. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, boy. Well, that's all we got for this week. Uh, Mark, thanks again for coming yeah, on and coming and driving down thank here. You. This is, this is a, like, like I said, a real treat to have the in-studio yeah. guests. So yeah. uh, thank you very much. Uh, so as always, you can find us at martysillegalstick.com, which uh, we are rebuilding. And I do want to write an article about that once that site gets rebuilt. So it's going to be a feature. We're gonna okay. Have, coming up. All right. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Marty's Illegal Stick Hockey Podcast and on all major podcast platforms under the My Little Falls banner. So for Dave the Save Warner, 
For Leo Gump Kinville, for Jeremy the Professor Roberts, and Marco Tari, I'm Scott Kinville. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.